We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 175. Our guest today has one of the most inspiring stories in the equestrian world. I get chills every time I hear her story. She started riding at the age of seven, and just a couple months after that, just a routine exam at the doctor's office became a life-changing event for her. She was diagnosed with a super rare condition, Wyburn-Mason syndrome, which causes arteries and veins to grow together. From there, she went in about an eight-year journey of a series of experimental treatments and brain surgeries, and then was wanting to continue her equestrian experience with paradressage. She made huge, lofty goals for herself and literally crushed them. In 2014, when she was 16 years old, she earned a spot in the U.S. paradressage team and was the youngest competitor at the 2014 World Equestrian Games in France. And then when she was 18 in 2016, she won the U.S. Paradressage National Championships and became the youngest member in the equestrian portion of the 2016 Paralympics in Rio as part of Team USA. I was so grateful that she had some time to chat a little bit about how she got to where she is today and how she accomplished these amazing goals that she set for herself including how she met her sponsor, Georgina Bloomberg, and how that all unfolded so beautifully for her to be able to compete at the top level. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Sydney Collier. Let's jump right in because I feel like I have so many questions and I'm so excited to hear from you. Tell me how you first got into the horse world. So I actually totally got into horses by chance. I was always the kid out on the soccer field picking dandelions. I tried literally every single sport imaginable. And then one day I said to my mom at the age of seven, I was like, you know what, mom? I think I want to try horseback riding. And, <laughs> Love it. And I swear it was the day that she'd been waiting for all my life because literally the next day she had me signed up for riding lessons. She was like, had me in the car, had me all locked and loaded, (laughs) ready to go to the barn. And the minute I sat on a pony for the first time, I was like, okay, this is, this is my thing. This is my passion. This is what I want to do with my life. And, and I actually fell in love with the sport of eventing. And I told my parents literally right when I got into the sport, I'm, I'm going to go to the Olympics for the sport of eventing. And they never, they never told me, Oh, that's crazy. Oh, you can't do that. They were like, Oh, okay. You can do it, which it, it was so incredible to have that that supportiveness from them being like, okay, that is a big goal for a seven-year-old, but yeah, you can totally dream that big Sydney. And, and so I continued on with, with that training and riding a lot of school ponies and horses here in Michigan. And it was actually at the same age that I found horses that I got diagnosed with Wyburn Mason syndrome, just at like a routine vision screening. Oh wow! And 
And my ophthalmologist basically turned sheet white when she looked behind my right eye. And she told my parents, I never thought I would see a case of this in my entire career, let alone in my entire life. And that's not what any parent wants to hear. And the whole time I'm just sitting in the chair and I'm like, so excited because I think I'm going to get glasses. I'm like, I just want the glasses. <laughs> right. the glasses. Yep. And, and so she diagnosed me with Wyburn Mason, sent us to the hospital because she like had no idea really where to send us from there because Wyburn Mason, basically, it's so rare because people, basically, babies often die of bleeds right away and don't make it to the age of seven, let alone 23, like I am now. And the hospital where I got diagnosed told my parents, take her home and pray she doesn't die of a a massive bleed. And my mom wasn't willing to take that for an answer. And she, she sought out a place to get treated. This was back when like the internet wasn't really a thing and she she searched the internet far and wide and came to like two places that had even treated like one or two cases of wyburn mason and and she reached out to both and stanford medical center in california ended up saying We'll treat her experimentally because we've literally never treated a pediatric case of Wyburn Mason, so we don't really know what's going to end up happening. And, And so we ended up pursuing treatment there. And all throughout this time, horses were what really kept me going, what really kept me sane and positive through all of the super long medical days, like in the hospital with treatments and in radiation and, and all of the stuff that no seven-year-old really wants to go through. It was always like, I just want to go to the barn and not have, not have to really think of it. It was the only time that I really wasn't having to, I guess, like face those, those big things for a seven-year-old. Cause you know, when you're at the bar and all of that fades away and having the horses in my life was what kept me going and having something to strive for really. And I kept on eventing and I, I really, my parents were incredible because they never treated me any differently, even with these like ticking time bombs in my head, really. They were still like, go out and, and do what you love, even though it's a very risky sport, go out and do what you love and, and reach your goals. And in their their ability to empower me to do that really is what has gotten me to where I am today. And I'm really lucky to have my family being able to do that for me. That's amazing. As you were kind of getting to know the horse world and getting to know this new, you know, condition that you had, did you feel, I know you mentioned that your parents didn't really like treat you any differently. Were there some 
things that you had to do differently or like day-to-day symptoms? Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I would say more so my, the people around me noticed it more than I did. Cause I mean, I was seven years old and I was just, you know, living my life really. But I had, I had some very intense symptoms, like at the age of 12, I lost the vision in my right eye. Literally, I was just sitting at school one day and and I called up my mom. I was like, mom, the lights went out. (laughs) It was the most surreal experience. And, um, And I ended up having for a long time before my first stroke at the age of 11, I had this burning sensation on the bottom of my left foot, which was really wild and super intense. And then, and then I had a year long migraine at the age of like eight. No way. Yeah. Which was awful. And and literally the only, the only time that I wasn't in agonizing pain, wanting to just like shut myself in a dark room and not come out was when I went to the barn and I rode, which it says so much about the therapeutic power of horses. Like, because no matter how many pain medicines they put me on when I was riding, that was the only time that I wasn't in like agonizing 10 out of 10 pain. How wild is that? Right? Like it was just, it's so surreal thinking back to that time. And even now when I, when I get these intense migraines that are a symptom of Wyvern Mason, if I ride it, it lessens it like a million times. I think because your brain is focusing on other things and not fixated on that pain. It's like the only thing that helps not even all of the pain meds in the world can do that. And, and so basically all throughout everything, the horses have always been not only, not only there for me to have my, my big goals, but also this, like this therapeutic aspect that they've been like my therapist, they've been my my, my physical therapists, like they've been my everything. And, and actually I, at the age of 11, during my first brain surgery, I had a massive stroke and I, I ended up waking up, not being able to really move my left side at all. And it it had just disconnected. And I spent my whole summer at the age of 11 in inpatient rehab, trying to relearn how to walk and trying to relearn how to use my body, literally just so that I could be able to ride again. I was like, as long as I can ride a horse again, I'm, I'm happy. That's all I wanted to do. And that's what kept pushing me to give rehab my all and, and to get back to riding. And after that first stroke, I had this really dark period where I went I came home, I came back to seventh grade and seventh graders are very, very intense. <laughs> and I, that's, ended up, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I, I ended up coming back to middle school. I lost a lot of friends uh, who weren't willing to slow down for me because I, I couldn't run and I moved differently. And and I came back to riding and I was like, okay, maybe eventing is a little bit risky after your first stroke. So I, I, I told my mom, let's tone it back to just show jumping now. <laughs> Cause you know, that's way safer. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and so I ended up at the age of 12, I actually had a really bad show jumping accident where I snapped my femur on my good leg in uh, half. And, uh, and then that was when I like, uh, and I actually rehabbed on the same pony because I mean, it, no horse scares me. I'm like, it's not the horse's fault. It's the situation's fault. And it was, I just couldn't believe. I was like, really left side? You had to give the pony the wrong cue. And then I had to go and snap my good leg in half. Really? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and so basically, I, I rehabbed from that. And then I found out that the paradressage was happening in, in Kentucky. It, it the 2010 world equestrian games and i begged my mom i was like mom can we go watch this and and we were sitting in the stands uh, watching the competitors compete and i had this like basically epiphany out of like a movie or something i was sitting in the stands and i realized Oh my goodness, if if they can do that with with their conditions, like I can do this with with my body that works differently than the norm. And and the rest has really been history. Like I met Jonathan Wentz there, my friend and mentor, and he helped me actually get classified right then and there. And and I told my my mom and grandma, I was like, next World Equestrian Games and next Paralympics, that's gonna be me on that team. Wow. And, and I'm very, very proud to say that I was on those those next teams and and it's been such an honor to compete and represent the USA at such high levels. Like Paradressage has really given me this ability to succeed at, you know, the high levels and to really foster this beautiful relationship with the horses that have touched my life throughout these years. And I just feel honored to be a part of it. Tell me a little bit about your journey to Rio. Rio was the Olympic Games that you competed for the Paralympic team, correct? Yeah, yeah. The Paralympic Games in Rio was my Paralympic debut. Wow. And that was just such a surreal, amazing experience for me because the the ability to stay in the Paralympic Village and to be surrounded by the best of the best in all of the sports, like that was just crazy to me because all throughout age 12 to age, uh, let's see, I was... Mm, 18 there i i had never experienced such a community where i was part of a majority being physically disabled i've always been the minority and being there surrounded by 
people like me who had had not let anything stop them really was was just the craziest best experience of all and getting to do it with such a talented horse at the time was amazing and such talented teammates you've had some pretty amazing sponsors i know uh you have worked and I believe are currently working with Georgina Bloomberg as a sponsor. And tell me a little bit about that relationship and how it started and what you're currently doing. Yeah. So actually I first met Georgina at a fundraiser before Rio in Wellington. And I was like, no way. Georgina is sitting over there. I obviously have to go introduce myself because she is one of my biggest idols in the equestrian industry. And I just, I just really love all that she has accomplished. And I I rolled over and I was like, Hey, Georgina. And, And we really hit it off. And I was so honored because I was competing the next day and she came and watched me compete. And, and we really hit it off and developed this friendship where no matter where I was competing and no matter where she was competing, we, we always were cheering each other on and, and, you know, talking with each other. And then, and then basically when, when we got back from Rio, I had to basically come back and and evaluate with my family because I have been, they've been self-funding me throughout all of the years. And obviously that is a lot. Like they spent my whole, my whole save up for college on the horses and thank goodness. Thank goodness I got a full scholarship to college or else I would not be attending college. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, I reached out to Georgina and she was so thrilled to have this cross-discipline relationship and to help the sport of paradressage grow through her involvement, which, which is gigantic for not only me, but all of the, literally all of the paradressage competitors, because having cross-discipline support, that is how we we grow the sport and how we grow the awareness of the sport and, and really the quality that needs to happen for our horses and our riders. So having her on my team and having her supporting paradressage has been such an honor for even an extra year after, <laughs> after the games delay and everything. Right. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you are a full-fledged equestrian and I love you for it, but who of us wouldn't want to experience a full weekend in Lexington, Kentucky at the Kentucky Horse Park where you can learn, you can be entertained, you can shop for all things equestrian industry. That sounds perfect, right? Well, this year, October 1st through 3rd, the Kentucky Horse Park is hosting Equitana USA, the very first Equitana event in the United States. It's a huge event over in Europe, so I am so happy that we now have one in the US. There will be 
trade shows. There will be amazing entertainment events. There will be some fantastic clinics with some of our top trainers and riders in the industry. So to find out more information and to grab your tickets while you can, visit their website at EquitanaUSA.com. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-N-A-U-S-A.com. Again, those dates are October 1st through the 3rd at the Kentucky Horse Park. Tickets are as low as $27 for adults, $10 for kids, and you can audit clinics. You can see everything you need to see at this amazing weekend event. You can also be a part of the clinics as a rider. Um, So find out more information on their website and how you can get plugged in in that way as well and get the full experience at Equitana USA. Again, that website is EquitanaUSA.com. All right, let's head back to the episode. Tell me a little bit about what that delay meant for you and your horses and your plan moving forward. So basically the the pandemic and the games delay, of course, in the beginning, it was it was very uh, heartbreaking because you're planning to peak at a certain moment. But then I really I really took the time to get introspective and to super focus on in on my sports psychology, my nutrition, my physical training, as well as my relationship with Ale and our training in the saddle. And I think that our whole experience as the team reserve has really helped me to to develop into an even more well-rounded rider. Like I feel like it's brought out an even bigger fire and passion uh, in me than I've had in a long, long time. And I just, I feel so lucky for the experience and, and to get to do it with such uh, an amazing uh, team surrounding me in Massachusetts, as well as the athletes who were in Germany with us. So cool. I love it. Tell me a little bit about your horse, any type of like quirks, any things that you feel like he really does super well, things that you need to work on. Give me a little rundown. Oh man, I I love everything about Ale. He is he is such a fun horse to work with. He actually so his show name is All in One and we're literally all in one because he's blind in his left eye and I'm really? blind in his right eye and wow. So he's he's a very special horse to me and he really he Basically, he teaches me all of the lessons that I could possibly need. He, I feel like he's constantly shaping me to be the best rider that I could possibly be. I feel like he was definitely sent to teach me a lot. He really, what we have been working on leading up to Germany, post-selection trials and in Germany is actually like spicing up our warmups and and what we work on at home. And even though he's a walk-only horse, we, we actually do some trot work with he and I now to keep him interested and forward and 
and really with me. And, and that has been a lot of fun to see him blossom through that trot work because you never really know how that's going to go with a walk only horse, like whether the horse will use that against the rider or not. And he, he really enjoys it and, and enjoys spicing it up a little bit with that trot work. He, he just has this walk that flows for days and, and it's so fun to ride and see like he compared to any other horse that has been my own personal horse in the past. He's like got his own engine. He's forward and, and like happy to be forward and walk for, for a five minute walk test. Like he is just such a giving horse, which is really all you can ask for. And he's, so high quality. I I just feel so lucky to be able to work with him and so grateful to Georgina for bringing us together as a partnership. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like he's just stunning and really fun to watch. I think you guys really are a good pair. Obviously, he's not your first horse, your first match. Is there something specific that you are kind of drawn to, like a specific trait that a horse has? Or do you feel like each one has been a little or quite a bit different? I would say that on the ground, they're all very similar (laughs) because like every horse that I've personally owned is, is like a big puppy dog, really. (laughs) Love that. Yeah. We all have such great personalities, but like it's Especially Ale, he's like this big 17-2 hand warm blood and he just, he's this big goofball of like a puppy dog and oh my goodness, he... I, I'm especially drawn to that goofiness because I'm I'm pretty goofy myself and and really just a willingness to to think outside of the box and and to tune out the the little things that my body does in in a weird way or like in an untraditional manner. I would say that in the saddle is the biggest thing that I look for. But I've never, I've never met a horse that I don't like, honestly. Like that's, that's the struggle when it comes to like shopping for a horse. I'll sit on one and I'll just be like, oh gosh, I love this horse. Like Mm -hmm. even if it's not the right match (laughs) for me, I've I've never met a horse that I don't like, honestly. Yeah. And it's funny because every team that I've made, I've actually been riding a borrowed horse because my horse at the time went lame before uh, the World Equestrian Games. And I ended up borrowing, uh, well, the yeah, borrowing two horses in the horse that I ended up riding at the World Equestrian Games in 2014. I had altogether like a total of two months of training on. And then the horse that I competed in in Rio was my my trainer at the time's horse. Wow. So, so you had to like quick adjust and, you know, maybe tweak your plan a little bit. Exactly. And honestly, that was a lot of the fun of it. And 
But what really made our trip to Aachen especially special was getting to do it with Ale, who I've had so much time training on back home and who we know so well. And it, it was very meaningful to get to do it with Georgina as as my sponsor and as my horse owner. And I just, I feel so proud to to have gotten to do that with Ale. He's such a special horse. Tell me a little bit about the uh, paradressage format for when you're competing, certain like patterns and different things that you're doing for someone listening who maybe doesn't know how the format works for, for this type of event. Totally. So in paradressage, we have five grades. Grade one is the lowest grade, and that's my grade. We are the most physically impaired, and we ride an all-walk test, which it sounds very easy, but actually it's super difficult because you have to keep that same walk, and you actually have to, you have, to have a super high-quality walk and you have to have the, an FEI level frame all while doing it. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, you have your grade two, which is like walk and some trot and leg yields. And then you have grade three, which is walk more trot. And then grade four, walk trot canner. And then grade five is the closest to a Grand Prix and are closest to able-bodied riders so so basically these these grades allow our riders to compete on on like against riders with similar impairments and similar level of abilities do you think i mean it's so hard because everyone is so unique and especially with paradressage i mean obviously you have those five levels, but it seems like even within that level, there's there's probably quite a bit of variation from rider to rider. How do how do you navigate that? Like, do you get to go through the process of picking any things that would help aid you, like any additions to your bridle or reins or saddle? How does that work? Yeah. So actually, there is a very wide array of disabilities between the grades. It it really, they try to keep them pretty similar, but obviously abilities are, are so far ranging. The classifications actually take place off of the horse. It's just like an evaluation of your body off of the horse. And as far as the adaptive aids that you're asking about, they they are something that they go through approval and they're unique to every rider. So, so you get to basically experiment at home and come up with what will work best for you. There, there's a list of the most common ones that are already approved. And then, and then if you want something that's totally unique to you, you, you get specific approval for it. Like for me, I have a, I, I ride one handed. So I ride with a short rein 
And I also ride with a, a whip that curves over my left leg, but I hold it in my right hand. So it's kind of like a L shape almost like, or a J shape. So like there's, there's like a world of possibilities of adaptive aids and it's a lot of experimenting and it really, it really like the adaptive aids that work for a rider with one horse might be different from what adaptive aids work for that same rider with a different horse. Got it. That makes sense. So yeah, just kind of based on what is going to be the most helpful for each rider and, and horse combination. Yeah, it's really it's really based on what what can help the rider to ride parallel to an able-bodied rider when they ride. So tell me about an area of the industry that you're super passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. I would say I am obviously very passionate about paradressage and spreading my my passion for the sport to other people. And I'm also passionate about the therapeutic riding industry, and I feel like it doesn't get as much as much exposure as it should. And I wish I wish that it was something that more people in the USA had access to, because I think that that would be a great way to get even more people involved in equestrian sports through the therapeutic aspect. Totally. Where could someone listening who's interested in learning more about these programs, where can they get more information? So totally reach out to me. I'm, I would love to within your state or even connect you with the USPEA. You could the United States Paraequestrian Association if you're interested in getting involved with the sport of paradressage. And I'm always available, like I said, if you want to discuss getting involved. And I love helping people get, get started in the sport of paradressage. That's so cool. Obviously, there was a time where it was new to you, but you had these huge goals and aspirations that you were able to reach. How do they get from kind of step A to step B with getting in touch with the right type of people and getting the sponsors and and the horses that will really help them accomplish their goals? So I would say it's going to seem very overwhelming in the beginning, And the key is to take it step by step and and roll with all of the punches as they come. I mean, look at me. I've had five strokes over the years and I'm and I'm here doing what I love and and getting to do it with with such a talented horse and such an incredible sponsor and support system. And don't let it overwhelm you. Like start seeking out at the national level. Like there are so many great, so many great dressage shows that offer paradressage classes or FEI test of choice near you. And, and as long as you get your, 
paradressage classification, then that is a total possibility. And these paradressage classifications, they happen at our our international competitions here in the USA, which are in Wellington as well as Tryon most of the time. So those are a great resource to get to come, get classified, and also experience a little bit more of the camaraderie and the the competition environment of the sport of paradressage. So cool. I love it. Well, Sydney, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. And I love watching all of the amazing things that you can accomplish. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to speak with you. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.